0: Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project podcast. Hi, Tom. How are you?
1: Good, Jay. It's good to be back.
0: Good. Um I don't know if you had been counting or not but uh this will be episode number 30. So congratulations to you on uh and I guess to us on on getting there. We've yeah. avoided the
1: avoided the pod fading as they say. So far so good. Yeah, and there was some question on our last episode as to whether I'd be back. Remember cuz it was a Second audition for me. You did the prior week solo, and to rave reviews, and you know all the fan mail was coming in. And yeah, why do, you, why do you need this bum Nixon? So it's good to at least be asked back this one time.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I did a close, you know, deep dive on the last episode, and I, I you know, I give you a solid A minus on that. Tom. <laughs> I'll take
1: <laughs> it. I will take it.
0: Yeah, that's not too bad. Um, so we're kind of going back in time, in, in terms of your career, a little bit today, we're we're talking with a uh, a guest who is a expert in public relations as well as thought leadership. We're pleased to welcome to the show today, Helen Croydon, who's a journalist turned publicist. And after a 15 year career working across all areas of the media, from broadcast news to newspapers and writing three books, Helen switched her uh, focus to helping others get into the media. She now runs Thought leadership PR, in which she helps C-level executives, business leaders, and authors raise their profile to become authorities in their industry. Uh, Helen, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you here. And and I think uh, I might be might be mistaken. I I sometimes am, of course. But you, I think you hold two unique distinctions among guests on our podcast. One is that you're the first guest we've had who has. Uh, been someone who's been across the pond, so to speak. Uh, you're, okay. you're based in, in Great Britain, correct?
2: Yes. In, and in also, in London.
0: okay, based in London. And also, I think you might be the first guest we've had, at least that we're aware of, that uh, is a triathlete. Is that right?
2: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I am indeed. Yeah. Not a professional one. That is my hobby. So yeah. when I'm not working. Uh, I'm normally swimming, running, or on a bike.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, something we can all aspire to. And I, certainly not something Tom and I do. <laughs> but uh, Tom, unless I'm mistaken.
1: Well, I'm not even an athlete, let alone try. <laughs> <laughs> you're not a uni athlete. I, I'm even? a try to be an athlete. How about yeah. that? Try yeah. to be an athlete. I like that. I was um,
2: always though. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it, you're it, sa- it, so you're saying mm-hmm. there's hope for us. Yeah, Yeah. which is something that I wrote about, actually, when I was a journalist, before I turned to PR, I wrote a lot about how you can turn your life around and the wholesome effects of of fitness. But that's another podcast.
0: Yeah, that's another podcast. Perhaps we'll get a second episode to talk about that, because I think wellness, certainly in the legal industry, is something that's uh, at at the top of everyone's mind. So, yeah, that could be an episode, too. But today, it's a topic we're going to cover, which we haven't talked a lot about, uh, which I'll call, and not in any pejorative sense of the word, but traditional PR, which of course involves pitching reporters, editors, and media publications with an idea uh, to have them cover or quote a lawyer or law firm. Um, We are often, you know, always, almost always talking about thought leadership marketing, which involves getting your thoughts and ideas in in a more unfiltered sense into a publication under your own byline. and with an opinion piece or column in a, in a media publication. But we haven't covered PR and I think it, it's, uh, it's going to be a good topic for uh, lawyers and our listeners to think about. Um, and we'll cover both PR and thought leadership today and discuss some of the best practices involved in, in PR and, and thought leadership. But I think it's important to preface the conversation um, and just say that PR and thought leadership should not be considered, you know, an either or uh, situation. It's its really both. You want to—you don't want to be thinking about just PR, just thought leadership. Um, you should be looking for ways to leverage traditional PR and thought leadership. In fact, I think um, it's often overlooked is the fact that uh, they kind of work together in a, in a synergistic way. Um, one of the best ways to get uh, covered uh, from a PR standpoint is to be a thought leader, right? Reporters look for experts and they're oftentimes looking for thought leadership. People have written or otherwise produced um, in order to find those experts to quote in articles, and oftentimes getting covered in PR creates thought leadership opportunities, such as public speaking opportunities or opportunities to expand an, an article into a book or a different uh, other other ways in which um, PR helps thought leadership. So I think you know if, if we think about that, and we and for our listeners out there thinking about should I be focused on PR or should I be focused on thought leadership. I think really you should be focused on both. And what we're gonna be talking to Helen about today is how to um, do both effectively. So Helen, I wanted to start today by talking about um, the issue of pitching, right? Uh, That's what marketers and PR professionals have to do, uh, or lawyers um, individually, if they're doing it on their own, to get covered or to get a reporter or editor to think about them for a story. So let's start by talking about, I know you draw this distinction between um, thinking about format or topic when pitching a reporter or an editor. Can you expand upon that a little bit and talk about the distinctions of between format and topic and how people should be thinking about those things?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you make a great distinction, uh, by the way, between PR and, and thought leadership. Um, so I think, you know, getting thought leadership into the media that's most people's objective in in doing thought leadership is um you know write these great articles have great opinions but how do you get it into the media because and this is why this is where it differs from marketing right because and this is where thought leadership overlaps with pr because pitching to the media is a big part of it now the biggest i think mistake that people make when they pitch to the media, and when I say people, I mean PRs, marketing teams, individuals themselves, because some people who run small businesses, they don't have a PR, but they pitch their own ideas. And or well, even freelance journalists actually, because I was a freelance journalist myself for many years, um, is they think about the topic that a journalist covers rather than the format of the article. But actually the topic is less relevant. So I'll give an example, like, okay, I'll give a simple example first for the consumer media, and then I'll give like a, um, an example that might apply to the legal um, profession. So as a journalist, I used to write about health and fitness. That was, that was one of the things. So I used to get pitches from PRs all the time who'd pitch me like, so hey, we, we're, we've got some new yoga pants. Do you want to review them? And while I might write about New and novel fitness activities, or I might write about the latest um, fitness science. I didn't do reviews, and reviews tend to be done by in-house journalists. And reviews can only be done in publications that have a page for review, or they have a set slot, right? So that's the so. There's nothing I could do with that, and that's an example of a PR who's just not looked at the format of the things I write, but they've just looked at the topic. So. How does this apply to like thought leadership? You know, one of the key pillars of thought leadership obviously is um, op-eds, opinion pieces. And that's, that's the bread and butter of thought leadership. So why would you pitch to say, if you want to write a thought leadership piece about the new, you know, the ways that AI could impact your business decisions, for example, you, you could Google journalists who cover ai you'll probably come up with hundreds of them but who are the ones who commission opinion pieces or what are the publications that actually have a platform for contributor authored pieces you know it's surprising how many people think that the media is just this splurge random splurge of different content but what you'll find is that most publications and broadcast programs have a formula so my advice is to study a publication and and think not what topics they cover, but how do they cover them? Is it an interview? Is it an op-ed? Is it a review? Is it a news story with a clear top line? And I think people get a lot further in their pitching if they just think about that one thing.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And and we oftentimes advise our clients when it comes to, you know, they might be thinking about pitching an idea for an article to a publication, always start with, to the extent they're accessible, the, the... guest contributed content guidelines that a publication offers. A lot of times lawyers would otherwise think, well, I'm just going to write an article and pitch that article, but it might not be the right uh, word length. They might, uh, the publication might want citations to cases or, or, or not. And, and, in any event, they might be wasting a lot of time and creating something for a publication that doesn't fit their guidelines at all. So I think you're, uh, you're spot on in terms of thinking about format as an important element of pitching. Um, so Tom, I'll throw it over to you here.
1: Yeah, and the other common mistake, I'd love to hear Helen's thoughts on this, is, you know, like you said, not understanding the format of the media or publication that you're pitching, but also not understanding who it is that you should be reaching out to. And this has only gotten worse, you know, Jay kind of referenced the fact that I cut my teeth in PR. So I've been pitching since the early 90s. And this has only gotten worse as newsrooms have shrank. And, um, you know, a lot of these media publications are working with skeleton crews, at least compared to what they used to look like. So, you know, a newsroom that might have 30 reporters in the past now has six. So how I'd love to know what advice you would give to young PRs or to people who are going to endeavor to do this on the by themselves, to consider when pitching blindly in. And I'll just tee up one scenario: when you're pitching blindly into a newsroom and you assume, for example, that well, as, as soon as I get it, as long as I get it into the newsroom, they'll circulate it around and find the right home for it, which <laughs> yeah. is not the job of the editor. So. Give us some advice for for people who are considering going to market with a pitch.
2: Yeah, I think it can seem on the outside like it's just this minefield of all these different people doing different things, but actually just a little common sense can answer a lot of questions. So broadly speaking, most newsrooms will have commissioners and writers. So the commissioners are in control of, you know, what articles they're going to, Commission. <laughs> and the writers are going to write them. So if you are pitching an op-ed for your client or for yourself, then obviously you're not going to pitch it to a writer because the writer doesn't have the power of what goes in an op-ed. That's going to be the editor, right? Because that they have like the bird's eye view. But if you're pitching a quote, you know, say if it's in reaction to um, a story that's happened and you're you know, your client or you individually have a specific take on something, then you're not going to pitch the editor because an editor can't commission a quote in isolation. What are they going to do with it? Put it in a, put it in a box on the website that a quote has got to go, is got to be part of an article. So then you need to find the writers and then you need to find, okay, who are the writers who write about this topic? And also those writers need to write features or news stories. They're not going to be the writers that do the interviews or do the reviews. So it really is a case of using common sense and familiarizing yourself with the media. I mean, obviously these days there's so many, as you said, small publications that are run by maybe three, four Uh, members of staff and actually then there's a crossover between the editors and the writers and sometimes the editors are doing the writers uh, you know doing the writing or sometimes it's even a one-man band but you can probably get a sense of that if you look at the website and if it looks like a small operation where they only have like five articles that go up a week then it probably is run by a one-man band in which case you could suggest uh, an op-ed or you could suggest a feature um so yeah use common sense and then The other thing I'd say is um, this also applies in broadcasting. Okay, so if you think in written media, there's broadly speaking commissioners, writers. In the broadcast media, broadly speaking, there's news desk or news producers and there's the planning desk and the planning producers. And generally, the planning team are going to be looking after stories that can be planned like day ahead. So if you are a lawyer and you have, a, you've, you've got some new research or a white paper or something that you want to get into the media, and it comes out on a, on a certain date, and you know what that date is. So the story is going to be the release of your research. That's planned ahead. So you should contact the planning team a few days ahead, because they're going to be looking for stories that they can plan. If, however, you're a lawyer, and you want to comment on a story that's broken in today's news, like you know um some i don't know some uh, the coronavirus has uh, broken out in your community and they want to give a comment on the impact of this will have on legal claims or something right then that's reactive you don't contact the planning desk for that because the planning desk are looking after the next day stories. you contact the news desk because they're like reacting to these stories so it's just things like that that people pitching to the media kind of need need to know and
1: they need to do their homework don't they I I remember I used to advise my teams that you're going to do the research eventually so you can either do the research before you send the first pitch and make sure it gets to the right person or you're going to come back to me and say I didn't get any responses from my pitches and I'm going to tell you well go find out who the right person is to pitch right so it's one of the easiest avoidance behaviors is to say well I don't want to do all the legwork up front but it's one of the most common mistakes that prevents you from getting your thought leadership into the media
2: yeah and the context is what well, you know on a similar note to that find out who the people is and also give it some context so i receive i'm not a journalist anymore so because now i run my own pr agency but i still get pitches from prs because i'm probably listed somewhere on a, on a database as being a journalist and i got i get them sometimes and they just go straight in to the pitch without context it's, it, they don't even say hey i look after this client Um, Do you want, would you be interested in a story on this? Like one, for instance, I got the other day, it was, it just started by saying, like a statement to say, dividends across Asia and Pacific are soaring to record levels, right? And then it has some bullet points about this story about dividend rates in Asia Pacific. And then it just, at the end, it says, Oh and we have a comment from Mike somebody obviously I'm not going to reveal their name and then it gives the quote right but it doesn't say okay where this research come from is it is is this a story that's in the news and therefore they're pitching a reactive comment or is this research that they've done themselves and therefore that research is the story and also who is this Mike somebody what what's his title why is he qualified to talk on that you know whereas a better way for them to do it would be um hey, I see that you've covered um, Asia Pacific before, would you be interested in some new research that we've done on dividend rates in Asia Pacific? I've got some really interesting points here. Uh, One of my clients is an expert on this, this and this. Um, Would you be interested in having a quote from him? If so, I can send you some top lines. You know, that is a much better way of approaching the media because you're starting a dialogue you're giving context you're telling the journalist what is new about this story
0: Helen one of the core pieces of advice we give our clients as it relates to business development and positioning themselves for success for, through marketing is that they need to narrow their focus right many lawyers will um, suggest to Prospective clients that they have expertise in, say, 15 or 20 different practice groups, and and you commonly see that on on many attorney bio pages on websites, um, and and I think part of that is due to the mistaken belief that if you provide more options to the marketplace, then you'll have more opportunities yourself coming back your way. Um, and and that's just not the case. Uh, it's more is not always better. So does that principle also apply in, in PR? Um, when pitching journalists? Is it is it better to kind of pull out the fire hose and and give them you know, 15 ideas for stories? Or is it better to narrow in on kind of one or, or a, a few core ideas?
2: Definitely latter, narrow down on a few ideas. And there's two reasons for this. One is because experts are two a penny. You know, there are so many experts that can talk broad brush topics. Um, so what journalists want is someone who has a very unique take on something, they have particular expertise, it raises the integrity of their publication, if they're using experts which have a particular background on a subject, and and they can really qualify why they are using this expert, you know, I think gone are the days when you had these um, very frequent commentators, talking heads, just pop up on every channel because they were like good at talking to the media and they're very charismatic, you know, those days are gone and the media really does want to add value. So that's the first reason. Um, And then the second reason is that you've got to do the journalist's job for them in a way in your email. So when you reach out to journalists and you say, um so um there might be like lots of different angles say say if they're say if they've just released a new book a legal like an advice book on say um selling your business right and that's what this particular lawyer is you know is um an expert on in reality there could be so many angles for that right they might reach out to journalists because they want the journalist to review the book they might be reaching out because uh they want an opinion piece and they have a unique way of um advising businesses on the kind of the legal contract that or perhaps they um could give a reaction to a topical news story because maybe there's a big uh, big merger and acquisition in the news that day so the author of this book could also give a comment on that straight away right that's three very different ideas and i think what a lot of prs do is they put all those ideas in one and like send out a pitch or a press release but then the journalist receiving it's going like okay w- what do you want me to do with this so again it comes down to using that common sense asking who is the person I'm sending it to? What are they going to do with it? Are they a writer? Are they a commissioner? Are they a reviewer? What are they? And you send one idea to different people. You've got to tailor every idea. This is why like blanket pitches and blanket press releases never work. Yeah. So, because um, I got, um, I, I had another pitch quite recently, which was similar to this concept. There was um. A story in the UK about a big high street retailer going bust. So some legal advisory firm for retailers got in touch with me and said, they had an expert who could comment on this. So they were reacting to the story. But again, instead of narrowing their focus and saying, this is what they will say about it, their pitch said, they can talk about the state of the high street, why we need to save it. Is this the end of physical shopping? Okay, that's fine. But they're all broad brush topics. It'd be much better for that PR to say um, whether the expert thinks it is the end of physical shopping rather than just the rhetorical question, you know?
1: Yeah. That
2: was, I'm
1: sorry, Jay. I was just going to say that reminds me of a, well, a specific example that you just brought up, but a couple other you know, related ideas that I'd like to get your feedback on and why somebody shouldn't do one of the following. One is if you could expand on why a reporter is gonna be met with rhetorical questions and not know what to do with them. So maybe expand on that. But here's another example is the, the pit that has a series of prefabricated quotes from the CEO, which sound like marketing language and overly messaged, doesn't Mm -hmm. feel natural and are never going to get used by the reporter, right, without at least talking to this expert. So a couple of those scenarios and any other you want to throw in there, why should pitchers avoid such types of approaches?
2: Because it just sounds so messagey and it doesn't add value. I think someone summed this, an editor summed this up very well for me. I have my own podcast where I interview um editors of publications on their pitching pet hates. So um I have kind of a bit of bit of extra insight into this. And one of them summed it up quite well, recently he was the editor of raconteur, which is a business, uh, publication, um, quite, quite a big one here in the UK. And he said he gets pitched like blanket quotes from C-suite executives all the time, like on various business, um, topics. And he says, they just don't add value. And he says, I can't believe that the PR behind the pitch, can't see that it adds value. It's like they're not thick. <laughs> they're not, you know, they are smart people. So if they stopped and asked themselves, "Does this add value?" they would probably say no. But probably because someone's told them to send it, or maybe that C-suite executive themselves um, thinks that that's the message of their company and that's what should be in the media. But actually it is the job of the PR to take a bit of ownership and advise the client or even advise the the executive that they're working for and say, "Mm, this quote that you've come up with, it's a bit messagey and it's not going to add value to the reader. And when I say value, I mean, does it add insight? Does it add a fact? Does it, uh, does it give the reader a new perspective or advice? on something and you i'd say 90 percent of the pitches that i get and that the editors that i've interviewed get uh they will say no so i mean an, an example of one actually um came to me via again it was a reaction to there was a political announcement in the uk that the health the the government had allocated a new budget for technology spending in hospitals. So some PR pitched this very generic comment from a CEO of some health tech company that said using a system like ours will enable easy access to healthcare and our system creates an ecosystem for this, this and this, something like that, you know, and it's, that's something that you'd put on your website or that's something that you put in your in an advert that's not something that's going to add value to an editorial article
0: yeah helen I, that makes a lot of sense and actually that relates to something that comes up in the context of of thought leadership uh content creation as well um so i we've we've kind of been focused on uh pr here in in, in the sense that we're think talking about uh, lawyers getting covered in the media by a reporter in a story that the reporters writing or, or broadcasting um, so let's shift gears a little bit to thought leadership where we're talking about uh, you know a lawyer or other professional creating content under their own byline that gets published in a media publication for example um, so so I, maybe you can speak to a few of the um, mistakes that you see and, and maybe best practice you know on, on the flip side best practices that that um, people should be focused on. And I think oftentimes we see uh, lawyers being too overtly promotional or, um, you know, just focus more on, on themselves and not focus enough on the reader, for example, and providing value. So can, can you talk a little bit about that and, and maybe, you know, a couple of other um, examples of mistakes that uh, people make when creating thought leadership content?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, Again, I um, have, you know, an insight from both perspectives on this, you know, having been um, a writer myself, having to, you know, being an author, being a journalist, trying to pitch my own thought leadership articles, and now doing it for clients. um, And so now that I I know what the media want, and sometimes I have to balance my um criticism to clients should i say i have to kind of say to them well look i think you need to change this because i think this is what the media want but i also want to keep their voice Um, so in a way i act a bit like an editor for a a lot of my clients and sometimes it is a real fine line between uh trying to get it into the media but also not wanting to hurt my clients feelings Um, and sometimes i do make edits that they don't know about but it's for their own good. <laughs> so, um, but I think the main thing is uh, to not not be too messagey, you know, not to be too promotional. Um, and rather than giving you another example of what not to do, I think it's better to say what to do. And I think the best, if you're always thinking about what advice am I giving here? What value? So instead of putting your messages of your company first you know that's that save that for your newsletter save that for your website copy or your blog but it's about what does the reader want the reader of this publication you know what's the advice what's the value and you had that's what sort of thought leadership is you can't be a thought leader if you're not prepared to give that advice i think you genuinely have to Um, be willing to give advice for free and be willing that actually yeah your competitors might read it and get ideas um be and but that's the risk you take with thought leadership and the the truth is no one's going to take your ideas and, and do it as well as you because if you're the one that came up with the idea you're the one implementing it um people just get great ideas and half the time they don't them into practice so it's probably safe to share your secrets um so that's the main thing don't don't be stingy with your advice and your thoughts
1: right without it you aren't ever going to position yourself as a thought leader right thought leaders don't Mm -hmm. keep secrets they they get out into the marketplace of ideas and they take command of the conversation and there's only one way to do that and that's not by hiding behind your best ideas yeah um So anything before we let you go, anything else you want to wrap up with advice? um, Tell us again the name of your podcast so our listeners can go check that out. And then any final thoughts you want to give or, Jay, maybe there's something that you feel like we left out.
2: Um, What other little advice uh, can I finish with? I think the other other common thing I spot with writing thought leadership is – that a lot of non-media trained writers tend to dwell on the introduction for a very long time. So they will waste a good couple of paragraphs explaining why you need to read this article. So if there's an article on uh, what we're talking about now, how to pitch the... Media that waste two paragraphs saying you need to learn to pitch to the media because of this But the chances are that if people are landing on the article in the first place They've already decided that they need to be this article. So you don't need to waste (laughs) That's my other like main point I think um But yeah, that's that's pretty much, uh, my advice. Um, so you mentioned uh, my podcast that's called the media insider And it's every episode I interview like a different commissioning editor or a producer on a program um, about exactly how, what, who they commission. And I really drill down on the planning process, how to pitch to them, what they don't like in a pitch and what works.
0: And Helen, if you could share your website with the audience.
2: Oh, yeah. So my PR agency is called ThoughtLeadershipPR.com.
0: Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you very much for uh, the great advice uh, and insight that you added to our show today. So we really appreciate you appearing as a guest. It's a pleasure. And, yeah, Of course. And uh, until next time, that wraps another episode of the Thought Leadership Project. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.